In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A week and a half ago, I had the overwhelming experience of again being in the cathedral in Siena, in Italy. Some of the images that have been in the bulletin over the last weeks and months have come from the, the masterpiece that was built for the high altar in the Duomo of Siena by Duccio di Monsegna. That church itself um, was begun to be built in 1196. There was a, there was a church there uh, on that site previously. It was consecrated in 1215 for sacred use. It wasn't finished yet. Uh, the Maestà by Duccio wouldn't come until 100 years later, 1308, 1311 is when he worked on that. When it was completed, the Archbishop of Siena had it processed in almost like it was a Eucharistic procession. All the, all the clerics, all the religious, all the faithful were gathered in the main town square, um, not in front of the, the town hall where the palio is raised, but in, in the, the main square right in front of, of the Duomo. And the, the Maestà was processed in. Now it's 17 feet wide by 17 feet tall. And that was, the, that was to go on top of the high altar. It was almost, um, imagine, it, it's, it's mostly gold. So in procession, it almost could have even looked like the Ark of the Covenant. It was, it was greeted um, not only as a, as a, as a masterpiece uh, of art and skill, but as, a, as a great proclamation of the truth of the faith. It is the image of our Lord's life and death and resurrection. On one side is the image of the Blessed Virgin Mary with the infant Jesus, with angels and saints all around her. And on the reverse side are the panels, each of which is a good foot by two feet. Um, but from a distance, they seem like little, um, just little boxes, a masterpiece, each one in its own right, of our Lord from his infancy through all the details of his, of his passion and death, his resurrection, his appearance to the apostles, and his ascension into heaven. So last week's image of our Lord with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus was just a detail of one panel of that huge masterpiece. Uh, our Lord showing himself to St. Thomas, our Lord appearing to the, to the ten on Easter Sunday. Even our Lord um, tempted in the, in the desert was an image that we took from the Maestà by Duccio. Uh, the, there are images of our Lord calling the apostles, both uh, Andrew and Simon at the, um, at the Sea of Galilee, and also his appearance to the apostles at the Sea of Galilee after the resurrection are probably the most famous, uh, the most easily recognized of those images. I'm sure you've seen them many times, but didn't realize that they were part of an enormous masterpiece which stood on top of the high altar for 400 years. Sadly, the church in Siena carved it up and sold each panel piece by piece because it was cash poor in the 1700s. Fortunately, most of it's been re-gathered uh, um, and is in the museum adjacent to the Duomo of Siena. So visitors who come now wouldn't, um, uh, wouldn't know 
what ought to have been uh, the focal point where the sacrifice uh, takes place in that great cathedral. There's a little detail, almost as obscure, which still is there because it's carved in stone, which was a focus of my um, going there a week and a half ago. Up in the horizontal molding over the main columns of the nave, just at about the height where the, the side aisles meet the nave, from the very, very front of the church, so the opposite end from the entrance, over the, over the high altar, and stretching all the way down the nave and across above the main entrance, and then down then on the, on the north side, all the way over and in front next to the, the main altar again, is a carved image of every pope. Obviously every pope up until that time. But it's a bust, it's head and shoulders, it's a complete, a complete sculpture. All the way from St. Peter over to Lucius III. Of course, you know Lucius III, he was pope from 1181 to 1185, so that's probably when the church was designed. Construction began in 1196, so that makes sense. What's startling about these images is how nondescript they are. Not because there was lack of skill, the, the, the carvings of the faces and the, the ears and the nose and the chin, they're remarkable works of art. But there's no attempt to distinguish one pope from the other according to their virtue. Of the first 28 popes, 15 were martyrs, but there's no M next to them, there's no laurel over their head. They look like just any of the other popes who weren't martyrs. Three of the early popes were declared great, Leo, Gregory, Nicholas, but there's no Manus after their name. Their names are inscribed and are painted in, in, in Latin underneath the, the busts of each of the popes. The scoundrels are, are shown as just as, just as noble or just as plain as, as the other ones. And even the mortal enemies, they're, they're right next to each other, almost, almost mocking them, almost mocking the way that they um, brought shame to themselves but couldn't possibly bring shame to God's work. St. Silverius and Vigilius, right next to each other. This is in the late 6th century, and Vigilius didn't kill St. Silverius, but he was part of the plot to have him killed because the empress wanted a heresy declared to be the teaching of the church. But as soon as Vigilius was declared pope, he refused because, well, now he's the pope. He can't declare a heresy. Or Leo V and Christopher and then Sergius III in right in succession. And who knows what happened um, in detail because so much of those historical records have been destroyed. Or Stephen and Formosus and... We can't even go into the detail of all that happened uh, in the century following that. And they're all just there, just next to each other. It's not in any way done to give honor to an individual pope, but it's done to give great homage to the work of God in sustaining the church. The papacy is the miracle. The individual pope will someday be a former pope, but it's the papacy 
and our allowing ourselves to be governed by it, which is the miracle of the Holy Spirit. We know some of them had their own, um, their own erroneous opinions they, that they didn't declare magisterially, and others had their um, other concerns that um, go even deeper. That very site, fittingly enough for giving honor to the papacy, was the site where Pope Nicholas II was elected 100 years earlier, in 1058. And can we imagine how many times St. Catherine of Siena went there and prayed and prayed for the church and prayed for the unity of the church and prayed for the popes that they would live up to their calling. When St. Peter in today's epistle then tells us to honor all men, Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle. This is the work of God that we're about. And so we give great, great honor to the work of God. And in, in, in the way that it's been given to us to correct, to chastise, to teach, to encourage, to promote, uh, to pray, to fast, to suffer, we do so for the sake of the church, as St. Catherine did. All of her great works, all of her great suffering happened before her life ended in her 30s. For most of us, we think that's, that's how much time it takes to just get started. And so now we ask for the Lord's grace to honor and to obey, to permit ourselves to be governed, and to the degree that Authority has been given us to govern well, to govern wisely and prudently, in truth and in gentleness, to govern our children or to govern our, our employees, to be kind to those we meet, and in truth to correct those who are wayward. At all times be aware of what's good and true and what is false and nefarious, and, and with wisdom and prudence to, to root it out in the way that God would want not as he would have permitted the apostles to do so, taking the wheat with the weeds, but knowing that all things are governed by God's providence and that our fidelity will, will give us glory enough. And so we pray for our bishop who will visit us here this Thursday. We always pray for him by name at every Holy Mass for good reason. None of us should want to be morally accountable to God for the salvation of millions of people, let alone billions. And so for good reason, too, we pray for our Holy Father. And we pray to God, as we did at the beginning of this Holy Mass. O God, who does show to them that are in error the light of thy truth.
that they may return into the unity and the way of righteousness. Grant to all those who profess themselves Christians to reject those things which are contrary to that name and follow such things as are agreeable to it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who lives and reigns with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.